All right, all right. Welcome to another episode of As the Man As a Man Thinks. I didn't even know the name of my own podcast here. <laughs> um this is uh believe episode five. And uh today's uh subject is the absent black father. So thinking about this i had something else to talk about but me and my wife just uh did another podcast for our youtube channel um that we have together uh tender love 43 just in case you want to check that out i'll leave the uh description uh i'll leave a comment i'll leave what it is a link to it in the description of this podcast but the um, the fathers, the black fathers, you know how uh, that are growing up in society. I mean, that are in society now. Um, it seems like over time they become less and less visible in the family. Um, down here, um, and it's partly it's. To me, in my opinion, there's two parties to blame here. One is the fact that uh, me being a black man, you know, uh, we just didn't step up. Maybe got scared. Maybe wanted to philander. Maybe wanted to. They just didn't want to be there. You know, uh, maybe the relationship didn't work out with the uh, kid's mom. So I'm going to get into that more in, in detail. The second thing, in my opinion, is the way that society has always seen black men ever since they brought us, and I mean they, I mean white people, and you can say some Spaniards, I guess, really not all that a big history buff, but I do know that the white people brought us over here from England. Um, I know some Spaniard people, they went to the countries, what we now know as the Caribbean and South America and Central America. So with that being said, they saw us, we were, you know, had physiques from what I could see in the history books, from what I know about myself, just certain attributes with being a black man. And we were strong. We were threatening to them then. You know, they used to make examples out of the black man who did stand up and try to protect their family. You know, they would tie two horses up. I mean, tie the legs of the man, rope around his legs, tie him to two horses and tell the horses to run in opposite directions, literally splitting the man in half, killing him. So this, you know, deterred other black men from bucking up, you know, against the slave owners. And so... When the slaves were free, 1863, I know we celebrate Juneteenth for 1865, but most of the slaves were free already. We we still were devalued as a man. They said, okay, it takes three of you to count for one. I'm like, three of us? What the hell? That's not right. That's BS. Why is it three of me to count for one person? So 
being as I said, as far as I know, people did stay together. They had kids. The man went out and worked. You know, they were still up under kind of that old thing. I'm not saying women couldn't go do anything, but society just didn't allow that. You know, the black women were good enough to take care of the white people's kids, breastfeed them, discipline them, cook for them, but they couldn't go get a job outside of being a maid or cleaning up behind somebody, you know, or taking care of somebody's kids. So 19th century comes and, or the turn is, no, excuse me, the turn of the century, which would be the 20th century. You know, now the the world is changing. America's changing. Now people are able to, slavery is over with. You know, they tried to hold on to it for as long as they could. So slavery's over. People are working, but they still devaluing us. We couldn't even vote. We got no voting rights. We can't, we, we, we're basically crap. So in the family structure, the, the black man is still trying to be strong. But when he leaves out the house, he has to abide by certain rules or deal with the consequences. Now, there again, a lot of guys were just willing to take that chance and deal with the consequences. And I'm not saying that they didn't get some retribution, but a lot of people had bloodshed because they stood up for their family. Let this go on. So families are still together. So I'm getting this information, but I'm telling you this is because I talked to, you know, my grandfather, my grandmother, talked to, El, you know, people when I was younger or whatever. I remember the conversations and stories they told me, you know, about the segregation and all that. So all this stuff plays played a part on how the black man was seen in society, whether we were stronger, whether we were smarter, all that. It was they. It was a threat. We were seen as a threat. And it wasn't probably too long after that that, yeah, some of them women, them white women, didn't see us as a threat. They wanted some of that. They want some of that chocolate. Yeah. So you get into the 30s, 40s, 50s, still family structure for the most part. Then about the 60s and 70s is when stuff start to change. You got guys going to the war. First they, you know, guys going to World War II. You know, people ain't making it back. So families are without a father. Now, true enough, other guys stepped in and back then from what I could hear, what I know and have learned, guys stepped in and became hell of a stepfathers. And they just took on a family and they might have had, you know, kids of their own with the the uh, wife. So now you get into the Vietnam War, where they were just drafting, drafting the young boys straight out of high school. You know, if you had a sibling, uh, uh, if you had a brother, y'all's name was going in the draft. And if you didn't want to go, you'll go to jail. And if you went to jail, now you got a record. So now you can't get a job. You know, uh, it wasn't in a, in our culture. It wasn't taught a lot that you go to college. It was taught a lot, hey, go to school or even before you graduate high school, go get a job, go get a factory job, go get a job wherever, go to get a, to get a pension, you know, live the so-called American dream. But that's not, that wasn't our dream. That was a dream 
you know, ingrained, tried to, you know, brainwashed into our brain from these white people. Oh, this is what you need to do to be successful. You need to buy a house, white picket fence, 2.5 kids, all this old crap. Man, that's BS. But we learn from our fathers. They learn from their fathers and so on and so on. So that's all they knew. So you get back to the 60s, late 60s, mid-60s, going to the Vietnam War. So a lot of brothers wasn't coming back then, a whole bunch of them. And then the ones that did make it back, I don't know what they were smoking over there, but a lot of people got messed up. Then a lot of guys just had the PTSD and they may have had families, the guys who were a little older in high school that got drafted. Then the guys coming back, they couldn't find jobs. And then the government, yes, they, they introduced drugs to the community and they get other black brothers convinced them, hey man, we'll supply you with all the drugs you want. We'll make all the money you make, all the money you want to make, excuse me. And we'll and we'll give it to you. And so that's what some brothers did. They they did what they thought was best for them, but what they ultimately ended up doing was setting our race back a lot. Because we didn't have the strong black fathers and grandfathers that were educated enough to deter that type of thinking. For the most part, all they ever heard was go to work, get a pension, buy a house, be the breadwinner from breadwinner from your for your family. So when the seventies came, it was party city, you know, um, they party. Uh, we PCP LSD barbiturates, amphetamines, whatever you want to, whatever you think of, they did. So not only were the, the workforce wasn't hiring a lot of the black people, black uh, men. So now they don't have a job. So now what are they going to do to make money? They turn to a life of crime, which nobody forced them to do that. But they felt like they didn't have a choice. They didn't have a choice to, you know, it's like, hey, I got to feed my kids. And so they go do a crime. And eventually it's going to catch up with you and you'll go to jail. Again, they still not in the house. So let's, let's just recap a little bit. Slaves, they in the field. They try to escape. You know, the ones that didn't escape, they were demeaned. They still didn't have a way to feed their family. Turn of the century, you know, things are changing. Got, I forgot to say this. They got the Jim Crow laws where they, you know, kept black men down. You still, you didn't have any voting rights. Okay. And you get war, the war start happening and people start dying, not coming home after Vietnam. You know, it just, it, it went downhill fast. That movie, uh, Dead Presidents, is a, is, a, is a real portrayal of what it was like coming home in the 70s, you know, for a lot of people all over the country. So moving out of the 70s, now you're into the Reagan years. And they used to call it Reaganomics because the Republican Party took it to another level. The rich got richer. And the poor got, they was poor as hell. I'm talking about, man, 
So you don't have the fathers there. Then the government comes up with this system that, hey, you know, you don't have if if your husband's not there and you got kids, we'll give you money. We'll give you money and give you food stamps to go get food and give you affordable housing. So what did this do? This incentivized some women's thoughts to like, I don't want you here. You boot this and because I can live off the government. I got three, four kids. I can make it like this. I don't have to get a job. They give me a place to stay. All this. Then the crack got introduced to the country. And dudes really found it easy to make money. They could go get a hand worth full of cocaine, rock it up, sell crack. $5 a piece, $10 a piece. Easy. Super easy. Yeah. (laughs) Remember I told you about the government putting the drugs into the community? Yeah, they put it in there for our demise. And then when they said, okay, that's enough, then they changed the laws, the federal laws, you know, to start locking up all the people selling crack. So that was 87, 86 crack law. They changed it where if you got caught with, let's say one gram of cocaine, pure cocaine, they changed it to, if you got caught with crack, it was a hundred to one. So it was, a hundred times more than the one gram. So it's like you're getting caught with a hundred grams of cocaine if you got caught with one gram of crack. So what this did was lock people up. And when I say lock them up, it locked them up for a long time. Super long time. Like decades. Dudes that didn't have no money. They on the corner hustling. They in the federal system with the what used to be the white collar crimes, the bank robbers, you know. So the father's not there. They're continuing on. So now in the 90s, teenagers like myself, I'm a teenager in the 90s. Now the dad is not there to help guide the teenagers that's growing up. So they're not there to guide them. They have no guidance whatsoever. Mama is working two jobs. They out in the street. So what do you think happening? They out there. They out there kicking it. They meeting chicks. Humping on them. Getting them pregnant. They ain't trying to be no father. They don't know what it is to be, be no father. They just, they got three, four baby mamas. No judgment on that. But that's just the reality of what, what was happening. So this cycle is steadily snowballing. Picking up steam where... The black man is not present for all these different reasons. Period. It's crazy. I mean, it's stupid, ridiculous of how certain societal occurrences that happen and the way the mindset was of the government and what they wanted they don't want, they don't want, in my opinion, they don't want black people to succeed. Yeah, they'll let the token every once in a while, if you play sports or you entertain them or whatever, yeah, pay him. Yeah, he can go be a bellhop. He can go 
sweep the floors, be a janitor or whatever. But turn the surgery, wasn't no businessmen on, wasn't a lot of black businessmen on Wall Street and all these corporations. That didn't happen. They was workers, low bottom workers. They gave them just enough to barely survive where they made them have to come back to work. They had them where they want to. This whole mindset continued. So in the 90s, when the kids that were born in the 70s and their dads wasn't there because of for whatever reasons, now I'm not talking about the, the dads that was there. That's a whole nother thing just, just in case the dads were there. I'm talking about the dads that wasn't there. Who raised them? A woman cannot teach a man how to be a man. I don't give a damn who she is. You know why? She ain't got dick. She don't got the testosterone that a man has. Just like vice versa, a man don't have the estrogen that a woman has to be able to raise a daughter and teach her how to be a woman. It's the same thing. So I'm not bashing the I'm not bashing the women. I'm just speaking truth. At a certain age, the man has to quote unquote take over and teach his son how to be a man. The movie, bring up another, the movie Boys in the Hood. That's a real thing. If the two parents are not together, in my opinion, that son needs to go stay with his father. Period. 14 years old, it's over with for mama. He still loves his mama, all that, but he need testosterone talking to him because now he got hair on his nuts, hair on his chest. Now he's feeling himself. Now his balls is heavy because they're full of cum. And all he's thinking about is eating, sleeping, and having sex. And if he plays sports, he's thinking about that. But that's it. So he need a man that understands those feelings, understands what he's going through. But a lot of them wasn't there. So then you get into the 2000s. And so this is where I come into play, right? I'll tell you a little bit about myself. So my daughter was born in 95. And me and her mom didn't stay together. I was still in her life, but the problem was I stayed two and a half hours away. So I would go get her, you know, from time to time, not every weekend. I'm, I can admit that. I go get her. She'll stay a week. I'll take her back. Maybe a couple of months go by, maybe a month, whatever. But it wasn't enough. Um, so I tried to get, you know, her mom to come stay in the city I was in. And she did a few times. She moved back and forth, and that was cool. But ultimately, you know, she went back to the city where she was from. I can't, you know, I can't force her to, to uh, stay. That's not where, that's not the meat of the story. The meat of the story is, you remember me telling you about the the guys who, who sold the drugs and the guys who, you know, chose to do crime and whatever? Yeah, that was me. I went to jail in... Uh, 2000, November of 2000, and I didn't get out of jail until 2014. So my daughter was five years old when I went to jail, and when I got out, uh, she was 19, 18. She had just turned 18. Well, no, she was about to turn 19. She was about to turn 19. So. You know, I went to jail for selling weed. Uh, 14 years in the federal system. So 
I can't, I'm not judging nobody. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I wasn't there either. And that put a strain on my daughter and my relationship with her because I wasn't there. That's why I can talk about this because I got firsthand knowledge of it, period. That ultimately affected her by me not being there every day for her to call, for her to come see me, for her to stay with me. Totally affected her life. I can't say how bad, how good, whatever. I'm not going to speak on that. That's something, you know, I'd have to have her on here for her to speak in, in her own words. We do have a relationship now, but it's not the same. Her mom, you know, by me, by us not staying together, you know, she had to live her life a little differently. She had to struggle. All those years I was in prison, you know, I made money when I was in prison and I was sending money where I could, but it wasn't nothing like sending money, you know, like I'm working or, you know, making money if I was free. It was peanuts, but I was doing the best I could. But ultimately, I failed my daughter for those 14 years. I failed those important times in her life where she may wanted to talk to me and she couldn't just pick up the phone and call me. So this cycle is continuing and I can keep going through the years, but you get the point of what I'm saying. In my opinion, we need to break the cycle by the me, myself, people are my age, older, whoever, you having kids, you got kids that's in their 20s now, teenagers, hell, younger than that, need to be showing them. You don't have to be in the home with the mother. Things don't work out. But then we also just shouldn't be jumping up and down on random women when we know that maybe this is not the woman for me. You know, it needs to start right there. Maybe we need to, you know, teach our sons to, to choose better, not just choose a big button to smile like the phone. No. Really get to know that person. Really know who you sharing your soul with. Because every time you have sex, you're sharing your soul. Period. Without education, how can things get better? Now, that's just from our point. You can't do nothing about society. But you can instill certain a certain mindset in your son, in your son, excuse me, where just because they may face obstacles, that don't mean that they have to take the shortcut route. You can still succeed in this world, period. I did. I succeeded. I am succeeding. I still got things to go. I had to start over. And I started over and I didn't let nothing stop me, period. I ain't let nothing. I ain't let nothing stop me, and I'm not gonna let it stop me. I hear dudes use excuses. Do they use excuses all the time? Oh man, I got this, and they don't want to hire me, and I can't get a loan, and all this crap. You gotta start somewhere, but it all start right here. I feel like uh, furious, man. Boys in the hood when he was in Compton, man. Dude, talk about Ricky said, man. I mean, not Ricky. Uh, that was uh, Dookie. He said, man, your dad is like Malcolm Farrakhan. It might have been cute. One of them said it, but it was funny. But he was spitting some real stuff, though. Without knowledge, how can you ever succeed? 
Now the information is at our fingertips. It's right here on our smartphone. You can Google anything you want to Google. You can look at YouTube. You can go pay for courses. You can go pay $20, $30 for a course and learn how to do something. Learn how to be productive. Man, I could just, I could go on and on about this. It's just, this, this is a, a touchy subject because the way of the world is going, they tell us that we are the minority. When in fact, and I, when I say we, I mean the white people. When I say, when they say we're the minority, they're actually the minority because of if you count up, they count the black people, the Mexican people, the Asian people, the Indian people, and I mean the Indian people from India, not the Native Americans that they call India because the dude thought he was in on the coast of West India. What an idiot. So you're just going to make up a name for these people and stole the whole country. Ooh, that, that's a whole other subject. How you just, how do you find or discover a country there's people already standing. I can't come to your house right now and say, man, look, look at this house I just found. Man, this is man, this is my house. You already stand there. How the hell can I find your house and you you stand there already? So anyway. Man, this is a this this subject is so freaking it's so touchy for me. I, I'm 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 not gonna lie. But anyway, the all the races they categorize us as minorities, but together we the majority and they the minority and they scared of that. That's why they, if, if you think about it, you watch commercials, TV, stuff on social media, they plant seeds in the commercials, in the, in the TV programs, in the, in the content on social media, in the ads. It's low-key brainwashing to get you to thinking a certain type of way. If Burger King wanted to say they had the biggest, baddest burger and make everybody want to buy it, they'd spend a gang of money on an ad and force it in your face. We'd be like, damn, they show showing this commercial a lot. This, this burger must be good. They got to be, it got to be good because they keep showing the commercial, so people must buy it. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go try it. Same thing with the Popeye's chicken sandwich. Sandwich wasn't even all that. But guess what happened? Somebody spread it. Somebody put it out and had people waiting in line for hours for it. They, dic they dictate what we hear. Unless you own a radio station, a television station, a movie studio, and you can't put out your own content, then you have to educate your kids on, on how to cipher through what's good and what's bad. Just because you hear it don't mean that you have to believe it. But that's on us. That's getting that's getting back to us on how to raise our kids, what to expose them to, what to tell them to look out for. It's it's also funny that you see people on TV, different uh, sexual preferences. It just seems to be to me, and why is it that when I see uh, two gay men and they're on TV and they're black, why are they making them the sole flamboyant, 
like one of them just has to act like a female and all this. That's not what being gay is about. Being gay is about you liking the same sex, regardless of how you act. If you if you talk like a gangbanger to talking like a businessman, if you're gay, you're gay. Nothing wrong with being gay. I don't care about that. It's how they are they portray us on TV, how they portray us in the media. I don't watch a lot of TV, but the TV I do watch, it seems to be that I don't see a lot of white people in these positions, two gay men. They don't be they don't act flamboyant like that. You know, they almost make it seem like they make fun of the black man for being gay. Hey, if you're gay, you're gay. But it's all a mindset because a little kid is watching that. And if it's why it's on regular TV, it's not on nothing that's rated R, nothing that's on network TV. So a little boy is watching this and he doesn't know what his sexual orientation is yet, maybe. But if he's seeing this, maybe he's influenced, just like he's influenced if he sees a man and a woman kiss. But by, you guessed it, by the father's not being there to tell him, to let him know, hey, look, son, to explain what being gay is, what being, you know, heterosexual is. The conversation needs to be had from his father. Not to say that the mama can't tell him, but the father needs to tell him, period. He need to be the one to explain it. It just makes me, it, it, I just have feelings about that when um, society can be influenced, you know, crap. And we buy into it. You know, I, I, I talked about this on the prior I made this statement on a prior podcast that people want to keep up with the Joneses. You want to be like everybody else. Be a leader. Don't be a follower. Be your own man. Be your own woman. You don't have to follow everybody else in the world just because, oh, look, look at the Joneses over there, man. They, they working at the factory. They got a, they got a, a 1200 square foot house. They really made it. They got a 1,200 square foot house and they got four kids. Tell me how that's working out. That ain't making it. Yes, the, they're doing the best they can, but they ain't made it. Made it is where you don't have to go to nobody's job. You are making money because you are doing something that you want to do. Now, if you want to work at a job, cool. I don't know how many people like going to get up and go to work to report to somebody else versus if they had a chance to have their own business. So anyway, that was my two cents or I got more than two cents. I got a whole bunch of cents. And it's a shame that if you don't know no better, then you can't do no better. But I know better and I'm and I'm doing better. So the mistakes we made in the past, or I don't even call them mistakes, I call them the thinking errors, because at the time I chose to do it. So those thinking errors led followed by those actions. I can't do nothing about that. The milk has already been spilled. 
I have to learn how not to make those same mistakes. And that's what we need to be teaching our sons, not to make the mistakes that we made. Teaching our daughters too, not to make, you know, not to make those mistakes, what to look, what to look for in a man. That's what we can teach our daughters, how, what to be an example for them to see what it is to be a man, period. What to look for. Don't fall for no sucker out there because there's a lot of suckers out there and they just lazy because they didn't have nobody to teach them. They didn't have nobody to motivate them. They didn't have nobody to instill that mindset to want to be an upstanding man for themselves. And if they ultimately get have kids for their family, period. All this is for the people who want to be in families, who choose to be in families, who have been in families. This is for you. This is not for the people who want to be single, who don't want to have kids. You guys are fine too. Live, go live your life. Do what you want to do. Until next time, that's it.